Miracy. You know, most people will jump to race, but it's not just race. It's your race, yes. Religion, your color, yes. That's what comes to mind first. But it is also your national origin. Disability, people leave that out. Genetic information, your gender identity, sexual orientation, age, over 40. So when we're looking at diversity, it covers many different areas. Hello, and welcome to Just Between Coaches, the podcast that tackles difficult coaching conversations head on. My name is Melinda Cohen, and I run a business called The Coaches Console. The Coaches Console has supported more than 50,000 entrepreneurs in creating their own profitable coaching businesses. On this podcast, we explore difficult topics and tough conversations you might be faced with. Today, executive coach Dr. Melinda Hill and I are going to explore a topic that is needed more than ever. We're going to talk about diversity and inclusion and how to deal with our own biases and the biases that come up in our coaching practices. People may think they're not biased, but according to Dr. Melinda, we all are. So the question is, what exactly is a bias and can you prevent it? And if you're confronted with it in your coaching practice, what do you do? Dr. Melinda C. Hill is an executive director with the John Maxwell team. That's a company dedicated to helping executives become great leaders through the Maxwell Method. Dr. Melinda also provides career and academic advising for underrepresented student populations. Welcome, Dr. Melinda. Hello, Melinda. I am so happy to be here. I'm so excited. I was just saying this before we got ready, and I got to say it again. It's so fun having two Melindas. It's a rare name that I haven't heard a lot throughout my life, so I'm glad there's two of us represented. Yes, Melinda and Melinda. (laughs) Now, Dr. Melinda, you and I live in the same area, actually, and we're members of the same women's networking group. So we know each other and our paths have crossed over the years. So let's start with your background. What brought you to executive coaching? Well, I'll tell you, I am. One purpose and one focus, and that's to get up every day and to come alongside leaders and help them build their most valuable asset, which is their people. And so that's how I got involved with executive coaching. I have a master's degree in counseling. So I was finishing up my counseling degree. I needed four additional credits so that I could get my licensure in counseling. And I ran into coaching and I fell in love with coaching and it's been that way for the last two decades. And so I just come alongside leaders and help them build their most valuable asset, which is their people. I love it. I love that you're clear on that. And let's head into the important topic for today, the topic of diversity and inclusion. And I know that you recently received a diversity in the workplace certificate. Can you tell us a little bit about that training? Absolutely. I've been in the space of diversity, equity, and inclusion for the last two decades. Level the playing field so that those that are underrepresented can have equal access. So I'm not new to the field, but I'm a lifelong learner. And so 
The University of South Florida offered a diversity and equity and inclusion in the workplace certificate. So I took that certification. It was comprehensive. It was excellent training. The journey included the basis of all diversity initiatives is emotional intelligence. Then it looked at what are stereotypes and biases. Then understanding your organization. Then it went on to look at the future of your organization. Like what is your strategic planning process? What does community and outreach look like? And then what's a sustainable business model? So even though this is geared toward the workplace, I am my own brand. So how do I show up in the world? And so even if I never take this information into an organization, I am able to build myself as a leader and build myself as a coach. I love that. I love that you're taking the training that you're doing with your clients, but really applying it to yourself so you can be the best, bring your best. And like you said, how do I show up in the world? I think that's a a question that everybody should be asking themselves every morning. How do I want to show up in the world today? Now, when it comes to diversity training for organizations or groups, do you always incorporate diversity in whatever training you're giving or only when you're invited? Melinda, that is a great question. (laughs) And I'll say it like this. You have to have a taste for it. Like sometimes you'll invite your friends out. You can just go to a restaurant. But a lot of times you won't go to a sushi bar unless you know your friends like sushi. So it's when I'm invited because everybody doesn't want to talk about and or address diversity and inclusion. So yes, it's only when I'm invited But yeah, I do drop stories and drop hints sometimes. Absolutely. Now, when, like I'm thinking back to some of my coaching that I've done with clients or in our group programs, and if there's something that I, as the coach, observe my client or something's happening, I personally believe it's my responsibility as the coach to reflect that so that you know they may or may not want to address it be willing or able to address it or it may not be part of what they the work they want to do with me but i believe i have the responsibility as being hired as the coach to at least bring awareness to that when you'd say that you drop stories and share like that is that kind of what you're talking about where you will say i'm noticing this I, are you aware of this is that an area that you would like support around Do you present that invitation to them or only if they bring it up? Well, if I'm in a one-on-one coaching environment, I will. If I'm coaching my one-on-one clients. But a lot of times if I'm in an organization, I may not bring it up in the session, but I may bring it up with the HR leader. This is what I'm noticing. Would you all need some support or some training around this area? Absolutely. Do you get a lot of pushback when you do that? Well, like I said, you have to have a taste for diversity and inclusion. And a lot of times, just being honest, a lot of times corporations want to do what's the mandatory training. We have a day of diversity and inclusion trainings. But a lot of times, because it's so delicate, they just don't want to deal with it. However, my job is to create awareness that 
this is not as hard as we make it because we can't grow ourselves if we don't know ourselves. So just creating that awareness so that people can feel empowered to bring their full self to work. And then it just gets real easy because all we're trying to do is establish empathy. And when people realize it's easy as establishing empathy, that we value the unique giftedness and perspectives of other people. It encourages everyone to just respectfully work together. So diversity and inclusion is not that hard. Just be aware of where you are, establish empathy, and produce opportunity for people to grow and for people to change. Now, is that how you would define diversity? Like what you just said, I love that. Establish empathy, just valuing the unique gifts and perspective of others and respectfully working together. You said it's as simple as that. I mean, easier said than done, but is that how you define it? Or how would you define diversity? What does that include? It's just that diversity is being different. We're all different. We're all made up of different colors, different backgrounds. And diversity just means we're different. Right. Yeah. It's broader than just race and color, gender. It is those things. And like you said, our backgrounds, our life situations, our circumstances. You know, most people will jump to race, but it's not just race. It's your race. Yes. Religion, your color. Yes. That's what comes to mind first. But it is also your national origin, disability. People leave that out. Mm -hmm. Genetic information, your gender identity, sexual orientation, age, over 40. And so when we're looking at diversity, it covers many different areas. And it just refers to just traits and characteristics that make us unique. It encompasses our psychological, social, or physical differences. It just makes us who we are. And we are more alike than we are different. Now, you've said that nobody wants to be biased. Mm -hmm. However, we're all biased. Can you expand on that? What do you mean by that? Yes. 11 million messages are going across your supercomputer, which is your brain, every second. You can't process 11 million. You only can process about 40. And so if you, by chance, react in a way that was like, hmm, oh, I didn't mean to do that, that's because your brain just didn't have chance to process that information. And so if you have a brain and your brain is working and it's working a lot, you don't have time to keep up with all the messages. So yes, we are biased. That's what I mean. If you're breathing, have a brain, you have biases. And to make it clear for our listeners, what is unconscious bias versus implicit bias? Can you talk about those distinctions? Well, bias in and of itself, it's a preference or prejudice against something. So not all biases are bad. It's natural to have a preference for your family, for your favorite sports team, for your school, the issue arises when a bias positively or negatively impacts someone else and creates an unfair or disadvantage for other people. Unconscious bias and implicit bias, those are the same. The two terms mean the same thing. Attitudes, 
stereotypes or opinions that we possess that unconsciously affect our understanding, actions, and our decisions. So there are some biases that we are very conscious of, and those can be your bias about or toward a particular group of people. So that's unconscious bias versus conscious bias. An implicit bias and unconscious bias, they mean the same thing. I want to go back to something that you said earlier. It's a quote that I've written down and I'm a big post-it note person and I will probably transfer this to a post-it note and stick it on my computer for a long time. We can't grow ourselves if we don't know ourselves. And I know about a year, a year ago, when a lot of the racial tensions started surging even more, like you said, how do I want to show up in this world? And I realized there was a lot that I didn't know and a lot of work that I needed to do personally and within my team and my business. I'll say as simple, but I don't want to discount it. But one of the things that I realized was an unconscious bias for us was in our marketing materials, within our promotional campaigns, on our sales pages, on our websites. And when I started looking through a different lens, I realized that without even consciously knowing it, it was mainly all women that were represented in all of our material, and they were all white for the most part. That's not how we want to show up in the world. Inclusivity, equity are very important values for us. And it's like, wow, we're not living it there. And so we began to be very mindful of making sure that everybody within our own audience and community could see themselves within and could relate and identify. And that's just one example. And I got a lot of positive feedback. It's like, thank you. I can see myself in your community. I can get the sense and I feel that I am welcome here because I can see that. So it was really a fascinating exploration and journey that I wasn't even aware of because we don't know what we don't know. When I hear people talk about, I don't want to be biased. I personally think we can't help but be because there's so much that we don't know and we have to invest in ourselves to expand our perspectives, to be mindful of how we're showing up in the world. Absolutely. And that's the first step is that awareness piece. You don't know what you don't know, but you have to be courageous enough to go there and address your own like you said, your own bias. This is not what I want to be known for, so I'm going to close that gap. And that's the first thing is that self-awareness piece. You know, we're coaches. You've got to be able to take action towards that and making that inclusion, creating a culture of connectedness where everybody has an opportunity to, you know, see themselves, be their authentic selves, be engaged, be heard, feel valued and belong to a cohesive and trusting community. And as business owners and as coaches, when you can create that atmosphere, that is inclusion. And that's when people feel like they belong, when you can invite and welcome people, no matter what they look like or what religion they're from. So diversity is being different and the inclusion is making them feel welcome. It's kind of like there's a party and you're invited to the party. That's the diversity piece. But the inclusion piece is okay. There's a couple songs that I can dance to. Oh, there's some more songs that I can dance to. Oh, that's my jam. And so that's the inclusion place. So it's diversity and inclusion. 
So I applaud you for making those changes. Well, thank you. And we still have a lot of work to go. And like you said at the very beginning, that question, well, those, the combination of those questions, how do I want to show up in the world? What am I known for? And it's not just I, Melinda, I, the business, I, the community that we've created. Every day that helps us to just kind of have eyes wide open and be vulnerable, be courageous in our vulnerabilities. I think that's an important step that we all have to be willing to take, especially as coaches. And I think as coaches, we have those skills to know how to navigate that spot more so than others, so that we can hold that space and create that container for others. Absolutely. Now, diversity work, that's become more acute because of the racial tensions that are going on, not just here in the States, but also in the world in general. Have those tensions made your work with clients more sensitive or maybe even harder? I think it has made it even harder for me. I just want to get in there and make even more change. Dr. King said human progress never rolls in on the wheels of inevitability. It comes through the tireless efforts of people willing to be co-creators with God. Just go out here and say, where is the pain and how can I help be a part of the solution, but then other people shrink because it is just too sensitive. They don't want to offend. And then some people don't really care whether they offend. So you have two very in different ends of the spectrum. Yeah. It's interesting to navigate clients in different spots, especially when you've got a group type of format, you know, whether it's a group coaching program or like an executive team or leadership team, or when you've got the different folks, it's hard enough one-on-one to create and hold that space. It goes back to a belief that I have as coaches, we always have to be evolving our skills, enhancing our own training, being supported by coaches to help us progress in certain areas. And this is one of those areas that I believe we must pay attention to, to keep evolving in today's times. So let's start with ourselves. How can coaches challenge our own biases to start working towards diversity and inclusion? Well, that's the key, Melinda. The key is starting with self. You lead yourself first. You're your own brand first. And then how do you branch out to those that you lead? So for me, I lead me and then I lead this family of mine. So I am the CFO in my home, CEO, my husband. We lead this family. We get to train how our people, the three that we've been blessed with, show up in the world. That's our assignment. And everybody gets to do that in their home. And when our little ones go out into the world, they make the world a better place. So that's where I start, me and my home. Then you have your in-group and your out-group. This is called The Third Option. It's a book by Miles McPherson. There is a tendency to give preferential treatment to people who are like me. You're more comfortable with people who are like you. You're more inclined to spend your social time with people who are like you. You're more patient with people who are like you. You give the benefit of the doubt to people who are like you. You express more grace. It's easier to communicate with people who are more like you. But then there's this out group. 
the people who are just not in your circle. These are the people you're just less comfortable with them. You're less inclined to spend time with them. You're less patient, less graceful. You assume that you don't get along with people who are not like you. But if you were to expand your in-group circle, take a poll of yourself like, okay, who's in my circle? Who looks like me? Who doesn't look like me? In my work circle, in my social circle, in my church circle, in my networking circle. And then because you brand you, expand your circle, hire more people to be in your inner circle. That's how you start with you. And as you're expanding that inner circle, I keep going back to that phrase, we don't know what we don't know. That's what continued to keep coming up for me in the recent months still is like, I don't know what I don't know. And I felt like I couldn't lead myself through this. And I think it's important that we start with ourselves. We have to be willing to take that poll and make that commitment and want to make that change be committed to make that change, be committed to the discomfort of stepping out of that comfort zone. But I think we have to have that external guidance. Otherwise, we just stay in our little realm and we get nowhere. And I I think it's important to go to those teachers, go to those mentors, those guides, the influencers like yourself and the work that you do that can help us broaden our perspective think and see differently, become aware of habits that we have, that we have to change. And for me, it took that external influence to help me first identify my biases so I could even then challenge them. I had to know what they were before I could challenge them. And I think that's a big part of the step is is that willingness and then having somebody help you to identify what those are. Absolutely. There is an inclusive leadership model that I use, and it starts with leading yourself, and that is the ability to recognize and manage one's own assumptions, values, biases, strengths, and limitations in order to build and create trust in an environment where we all can succeed. But it always starts with that self-leadership. Yeah. Yeah, we've got to be willing to go there. So let's talk about the coaching context and especially group coaching. Since that's where you do a lot of this work, what kind of issues come up in that setting? Can you give us an example of that? To be perfectly honest, I don't run into a lot of blatant bias in group settings. A lot of times people say that stuff among themselves, but I don't run into a lot of off-putting comments in group settings. And if something shows up in group, just asking questions like, where's the proof or what's the basis of that particular belief or thought pattern? Because some people, like we keep saying, you don't know what you don't know. And if you're in your in-group and you say things, you may not know that they're off-putting until someone brings it to your awareness. And so that's what we have to do. We have to be okay saying, hey, Bob, what you just said was a little bit That might have had a little bit of bias to it, but you have to extend grace because that person may not know. And even if they did know, you want to call them on it. Yeah. And that's where our skills of coaching, like the questioning, reflecting, being curious. And I love that you added in that layer of extend grace when you're doing that coaching. Now, earlier we were talking about 
so-called blind spots, right? We don't know what we don't know and where they might come from. And when I think about uncovering those blind spots, you talked earlier about that inclusive leadership model and those people that are in your circle. Is that part of how you uncover those blind spots for yourself and with the clients that you work with in the groups? Or is there a different process that you use? Yes. One of the first processes I go through is this self-assessment of what is your role, educating, bring awareness to what's the purpose of the role, what's the motivation behind the role, how do you identify, what's the self-behavior and the self-talk, and then what are some change driven action steps that you can take to just bring about change, whether that's in a one-on-one setting or whether that's in a group setting. And again, the basis of all diversity and inclusion is emotional intelligence. So I start a lot of times after the awareness piece with emotional intelligence, just being aware of your emotions and how you show up and how you respond and being able to flex according to who you're talking to and who you're dealing with. Mm Mm-hmm emotional intelligence, and then empathy, social graces, giving people the benefit of the doubt, addressing people with kindness, even when they're not kind. Now, what should a coach do if they don't know how to deal with a situation that arises? I know I've had several colleagues over the last year, 18 months within their groups and their communities. They've had some situations arise. What if you don't know how to handle it? Where do you go? Well, the first thing you do is just be honest with whoever you're dealing with in this particular situation. Say something like, we're in a conversation that this is not my expertise. This is very sensitive. And I know sometimes we can step on a landmine and something blows up. So forgive me that I don't know, or forgive me that I may say something wrong. Or for the environment, let's create a place of safety where we can mess up in this environment. So the problem is diversity and inclusion. I want my grandchildren who are biracial to not have to deal with the things that I have dealt with. So therefore, I make it my business to work on the problem. When I see something, I say something. I love that quote. When I see something, I say something. Do you have any other helpful tips for coaches to either recognize or short-circuit biases in themselves or their clients that you want to share today? Here's six steps to elevate inclusion. And of course, it always starts with ourselves. Reflect daily, self-reflection, and evaluate your own inherent biases and recognizing our own ability to overcome them takes reflection and awareness. And ask yourself, how inclusive am I? And whose voices aren't being heard? Use inclusive language. You want to listen resiliently. So real inclusion is about listening. Encourage those that are around you to discuss issues and share ideas so that they understand that it's okay to speak up when needed. And let it be okay for people just to talk. If there's something going on in the world, Make a safe space to talk about it. Collaborate across differences. Get with people who are different than you. Next, practice cultural humility. You need to self-reflect to understand personal and systemic biases. That cultural humility involves humbly acknowledging 
We have a lot to learn. We have a long way to go. And lastly, intervene as a bystander. Empowering people to speak up when they notice bias creates real change. We can't do the work for everybody, but we can do the work for somebody. Love, love that. And I just, I want to do a quick summary. I have taken notes on this episode, which is so fun and such an important dialogue and conversation that should not stop here. But we've covered so much today. And I want to start with just what you went to at the very beginning. The basis of all diversity is emotional intelligence. Just being aware of your emotions and how you respond or react to those emotions. That's where we can be most empowered, I think, to create significant change, either for ourselves or for our clients. And then the question that you shared, how do I show up in the world? You started that at the beginning of this conversation, and what do you want to be known for, and how do you close that gap? And then the quote that I will take away from this, we can't grow ourselves if we don't know ourselves and that diversity is beyond race. It's a uniqueness that makes us who we are. It values the unique gifts and the perspective of others, and it's being respectful of others that are different to work together. And I loved your your definition of that. And I also loved the model that we can identify our role and do that self-assessment and even look in our inner circle and even outer circle And when you don't know how to handle a situation as a coach, and I love it, be honest, right? Just be honest. And I love the phrasing. I want to give this to our audience and our listeners by just being truthful and saying, you know, this is very sensitive and it's not my area of expertise. And forgive me if I don't know what to say or do, or if I'm saying the wrong thing. That phrasing, that approach just creates that place of safety where we can be messy, which is what the coaching relationship is all about, that we can show up, be messy, be vulnerable, and learn new ways to move forward. So I love that. And then, of course, the six steps to elevate inclusivity, elevate inclusion, reflect daily, use inclusive language, listen, collaborate across differences, practice culture humility, And number six is intervene as a bystander. And Melinda, I just want to thank you so much for the support that you've shown me in the time that we've known each other and for the work that you are doing in this world on this topic and with all the leaders that you're working with. Do you have any parting words that you want to share? I just want to thank you so much for your leadership and taking the time and taking the space to have the difficult conversation about diversity and inclusion. Because a lot of times people want to sweep it under the rug. If we don't talk about it, it'll go away. No, to bring about change, you really do have to make a safe space to talk about it. And thank you so much for making a safe space so that we can talk about it. Because it really is okay. We're different. Celebrate differences respectfully. Well, thank you for listening to this episode of Just Between Coaches. And also a big, gigantic thank you to Dr. Melinda C. Hill for this fascinating and much-needed conversation. You can find out more about her at melindachill.com. That's Melinda, M-E-L-I-N-D-A, the letter C, hill.com. Dr. Melinda, thank you so much for coming to the show. 
Thank you so much for having me, Melinda. I'm Melinda Cohen, and you've been listening to Just Between Coaches. Just Between Coaches is part of the Mirror CFM network, which also includes Making It and Once Upon a Business. This episode was produced by Cynthia Lamb. I and Mishi Lance wrote the episode, and Mishi assembled the episode. Danny Innie is our executive producer. If you don't want to miss future episodes, please subscribe to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. And if you like the show, please leave us a starred review. It's the best way to help us get these ideas to more people. And if you have questions for Just Between Coaches, put the show title in the subject line and send it to podcasts at miraseat.com. That's podcasts, plural, at miraseet.com. Miracy. And so the tailor, having gathered together the beautiful scraps, began to sew. He stitched and he sewed and he sewed and he stitched. And by the morning time, he had made himself a beautiful coat. Now, when he wore his coat into the market, everyone admired it so much that the tailor decided to wear the new coat everywhere. And that's what he did. He wore it and wore it and wore it until it was all worn out. Or was it? In each episode of Once Upon a Business, Lisa shares a fairy folk or traditional tale and then extracts rich business lessons that are applicable for entrepreneurs, coaches, and course creators. Stories always take us on a journey from one place to the next. Sometimes this journey is literal, sometimes it's metaphorical, but always we find ourselves transformed. This story, The Tailor's Coat, originating from Europe, takes us through a literal transformation of the pieces of cloth and yet somehow teaches a powerful lesson. It does speak to a common entrepreneurial journey. Many of us start out working for someone else and give them everything we've got. Perhaps the tailor finally deciding to make something for himself is similar to the entrepreneurial desire to begin to create a business for ourselves. We take the scraps, the skills that we've developed, the experience that we've gained, and we launch our own business. I think it's an incredibly important skill for an entrepreneur, for anybody running a business, to be able to know that creating something out of nothing is always possible. And it's often the way forward because it's out of the scraps of what's been done before. It's out of almost the missing pieces that are not quite there that we can actually bring our creativity and bring our determination and bring our vision to create something really wonderful, really brand new and really beautiful. And then we can walk around the town with it. You know, we can be proud. We can step out and we can wear it until it's almost worn out, but not quite. To hear more of Lisa's stories and learn the deep lessons they carry, make sure you subscribe to Once Upon a Business wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you every other week with a brand new episode.